Polish the Mirror podcast. Welcome, welcome. Thank you all so much for watching, for listening. Um, you all blew me out of the water with the first episode. Oh my gosh, I just have to tell you that within 24 hours of my first episode launching, that I was booked four months out, like I'm completely booked up for four the next four months, and I had two invitations to speak in, in local locally. And so I'm just like, isn't that amazing? I'm just so honored and just humbled by your support and all that you're doing to help help me and help these people that are coming on here to share their stories, to get their mission, their message out, and their stories of hope and resilience. And so thank you, thank you. If you feel like these are worth a five-star review, please do that so that we can reach more people. The more five-star reviews we get, the more people will listen, the more people will pay attention, the more people will hear our message. And so if you feel that it's worth that, please do that. Please share. Um, and if they, have if they have helped you in any way, please let us know. I would love for you to reach out to us. And if you know, if you or someone you know has a story of hope gained in the midst of adversity and would like to be featured, please uh, reach out to me. You can message me or you can email me at amy at getamyshelp.com. So here we go. Let's get into this today. <coughs> Excuse me, my throat. So I want to introduce you to my friend. This is Sue. Sue, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Amy. I am so looking forward to this. <laughs> Absolutely. Sue is an author. She's a public speaker and she is a life coach and she has lived through some adversity. Um, one of the things that I ask you to do when you are interested in being sharing your story on here is I ask you to fill out a form that just gives me some basic information of things that you have have been through. What story? What is your story that you want to share? And reading through Sue's, I was like, oh, Sue, like I just wanted to hug you. Like I just wanted to embrace you and just be like, bless you. Oh, my gosh. But like our purpose here is to share the hope that you have gained in the midst of all that you have been through. And so I would love to just hand it over to you for you to share whatever you feel comfortable sharing, whatever you want to share. Um, and then we'll kind of go back and forth with questions and uh, kind of go from there. If you, if you're willing to do that. That's great. My story, my, it's, it's literally an open book. So I'm happy, happy to share. Thank you again for the opportunity. Um, you know, Amy alluded that I, I've had a lot going on in my life and um, we were talking off screen about how sometimes we get emotional and I'm feeling that emotion already. So uh, let me say right from the start, I won't say please forgive me for my tears if I get emotional, but thank you for understanding. Because yes. sometimes, sometimes the gravity of what I've experienced hits me. Um, so, so thank you for okay. understanding. Thank you. I almost that's, said forgive me. Thank you for understanding. I know so. that's an absolutely okay. I would just want to say I completely understand this because when it hits you, it hits you, and it's like you don't want to fight it. You want to allow it to be what it is because it's so heavy. You have lived through so much and tears are, are part of healing. They help yeah. us heal. And so allowing them to flow, I think is so important. So you, we can just cry together here. So it's go. just fine. You go right ahead. Issues. <laughs> yes, we do. All right. So having said all that, um, <clears throat> when, when I was in first grade, um, a classmate enticed me into the woods after school one day. I was seven years old and he held me against my will for 45 minutes oh my and he proceeded to rape me not once but twice. And the, as if that wasn't bad enough, I kept that secret for 15 years. 
It wasn't until my senior year of college that I told anybody. Now, in between there is a whole torrent of stuff. This happened in the early 70s. Rape was not on the on the radar. It wasn't something to be dis- it wasn't something being discussed. No one knew to ask a question and I didn't know to say anything. Right. And it took me a long time in therapy to finally get to the point where I can say firmly without a hesitation that the only time only person who did something wrong that day was my perpetrator. Mm. For a long yes. time though I didn't believe that. I blame myself. Trauma literally rewires your brain. And so here I am at seven years old and my brain suddenly goes into survival mode. It totally shuts down. And I didn't have a chance to be a normal kid because right from the get-go, first grade, I'm trying to figure out how to survive. I shut down my emotions. So you go through grade school, middle school, high school. All of those are their own hotbed of stress. Right. And I'm already over here. If you think of it, you know, when you're on a path, as soon as you start veering off, the longer you're there, the further off the path you get. So by the time I'm 18, I'm royally screwed up. Mm. I was battling depression. Senior, uh, junior year of high school was the first time I considered ending my life. There's been two times I've struggled with that. I developed an eating disorder. I am now in recovery from OSFED, which stands for Other Specified Feeding and Eating Disorder. What that means in a nutshell is that I don't meet all the diagnostic criteria for any eating disorder, yet I still have disordered eating. So I'm in recovery from that. I've dabbled in cutting. I said before, I've dealt with depression. Mm -hmm. Um, There were other other, sexual abuse that took place from neighborhood kids and stuff. And you know, just, just a bunch of stuff because I didn't believe that I mattered. I had been told in word and deed by one person that I didn't have value and I wasn't strong enough. I didn't have the skills at that point in time to know how to refute that. Now I was in the now counseling a lot and it wasn't until 2008, what, going on 16 years 15 and a half years now that I finally went into recovery and really started dealing with things and what happened was that I lost a very dear friend in 2005 three years after the fact I am grieving her as if it was yesterday mm-hmm. and all of my red flags for my eating disorder started coming up so my pastor connected me with a counselor who specialized in eating disorders and we're talking and about three sessions in I'm like what do you think it is why is this coming up now And she said, I think it's just a bunch of unresolved issues. And we got to work. And I I have no shame in saying I'm still working with her now. Because Mm -hmm. life continues to happen. While I have dealt with the rape and I've dealt with all those things, I've also dealt with losing my mom three years ago and losing my dad a year ago. I've dealt with all kinds of other things. In between there, I had two surgeries. So, you know, life continues to happen. There is nothing wrong with having a counselor in your pocket. Exactly. So so with all that, though, while we dug into it, it was the second session where the rape came out. She looked at me and said, Sue, this is huge. Have you ever dealt with it and worked it through with anybody? And I looked at her and said, I wouldn't know what it looks like to say I have. So I guess that's your answer. It wasn't until 2014 I was strong enough to finally deal with it over four decades after the fact. 
and, and I have a fantastic relationship with Amanda. She's with Grace Recovery Counseling in South Carolina. And we, we talk very openly and she said, we both agree. We had to get me stronger in the present before we could go to the past. Yes. And, and, and that's a very important point I make when I share my story is that just because something has happened doesn't mean you're equipped right now to deal with it. Sometimes right. you have to deal with the immediate stressors because that's only making things worse. And if exactly. you already have something boiling here, you don't want to stir the pot over here when you don't have right. this one simmering down. Yes. So the real healing journey started in 2014 and you see this big smile on my face because there was a retreat program i came across it is now called a walking stick retreats and it um i'm a christ follower and I, god speaks to me in language i believe god speaks to people in language they're going to understand for me it's the language of retreat and music hmm. there was a music a movie that came out in 2014 called ragamuffin and it was based on the life of the late Christian musician, Rich Mullins. You actually have a quote. I have have a quote of his behind me. It says, it, doesn't ma it won't matter if you have a few scars. It will matter if you didn't live. Uh -huh. So the movie was a real that. hard. And, and that's, 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 that's some deep stuff. Yeah. Um, the movie was a real hard watch because it struck home so much. Mm -hmm. And no one knew my story. I hadn't been out with my story. So I met, move on to the movie with my mom. We find some friends. I'm like, just got something in my eye, mom. <laughs> right. I, I had painted I had painted the, the image in college that Sue's your go-to gal. Sue was good. Sue had no problems. You can go to Sue. And I was dying on the inside. Mm. I was wearing a mask that I was okay and I was dying on the inside. I think most of us do, yeah. Yeah. So so the, the movie producer and the family and friends of Rich Mullins who were involved in the movie started this retreat program. Like I said, it's now called Walking Stick Retreats. And that first retreat in particular, um, one of the staff members has since told me that they kind of looked at it as a Hail Mary for me. Of Could I really be loved? And could God's, God's kids love me? Does God mm -hmm. love me? And can his kids love me? I phrase it as I took a, I took a risk on love. And uh, I like that through, through that um, a lot of, a lot of healing didn't happen overnight for me. That first year I had to own my story because I was in denial about my story. I hated my story. I absolutely mm -hmm. hated my story. Mm -hmm. And while I may have said it off the cuff to somebody, I hadn't owned it. And the gravity, as you saw me with the tears at the start, sometimes the gravity of that still hits. And right. I had to come face to face with my truth. I had to get my story straight. The second year, I had to grieve my story. <clears throat> there is a lot of loss in my story. Every life has loss. And mm -hmm. every loss is worthy of being grieved. And I had denied myself the honor of honoring that grief. So that was, a that was another big load. Right. I've been there. Yes. Oh, I had to a, do that too. And, and that's just such a fun journey, isn't it? <laughs> Not. <laughs> right. But, but it's right. And then the third year, things started to turn. When the nugget I walked away with was, I am valuable to God. And that's when I started speaking. That's when my book writing started. I, my first book came out in 2019. It's called This Much I Know, The Space Between, and it shares my story. It goes into this bunch more detail. But that's when it all started was I started realizing that maybe my story could help somebody. I, yes. I started believing that I had worth. And that yes. was a big thing because when I was seven, I was told I wasn't worthy. Mm -hmm. So fast forward now, what, eight, nine, coming on 10 years now, and now 
I'm like I said, I'm life coach. I'm speaking at national conferences and doing, I don't know how many podcasts and, you know, just so many other things, book anthologies and just so much. So that's the thumbnail sketch. Where do you want to go from here? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's important to note that it doesn't happen overnight. And that's something that we will find as we go throughout these episodes that it's not something that just one day I'm dealing with adversity and the next day I'm like, Oh, look at me. I have hope. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. Like, no, even with me, it's been a decade. It's been 10 years. And like you, I've had to figure out what my story is. Mm -hmm. Not that I changed my story, you know, that it it is what it is. It is what happened. Mm -hmm. But like you said, I had to own it. Like, and I can imagine I'm thinking, picturing you as that little seven year old girl after that, just cocooning yourself, like trying to protect yourself from everyone. Like, who Mm -hmm. can I trust now? I can't even tell any, anyone about what has happened to me. I'm just going to keep this all in. And so I'm not going to let anything out, excuse me. And so then you become prey to even more of that because you Mm -hmm. have such a low self-esteem or view of yourself. And it just, it, it just cycles like it, it snowballs. It just yeah. continues to build and build and build. And then you just, you just kept going of things that kept happening and happening to you right. until you had something that stopped the cycle. And I feel like that's what it is. Like there's something that we right. come up against that stops that cycle. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was that moment of clarity where I'm laying in that bed. I'm praying to die. I'm making mm-hmm. a plan to make it happen because I knew I had enough mm-hmm. medication to, to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And I fully intended to do that. And then I had this moment of clarity where I'm like, what if this is not the answer? What if Mm -hmm. I can use the same energy I'm trying so hard using to die Mm -hmm. and I use it to fight to live instead. Mm -hmm. I love that phrase fight to live. Yeah. And and that's what it is. Like Mm -hmm. we're all fighting a battle. We're all fighting something. And are we fighting the right battle? Like, right. am I, because it, it, something that you said triggered this uh, in me that for so long while I was laying there in that bed, cause you know, I had to lay flat for 23 hours a day for almost mm. a year. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was like torture literally. Mm-hmm. And I just was filled with so much negativity. I only wanted to get to be able to do something, anything that I could do before, because mm-hmm. I couldn't even take myself to the restroom. I literally uh, was incapacitated. Wow. And so I just kept wanting and desiring to get back to the life I had before. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, Sue, I did not like that person that I was. I didn't like that version of me, mm-hmm. but I was fighting to get back to her because that's all I knew. That's mm-hmm. what I was comfortable with. And so I was fighting the wrong battle. If right. That makes sense. It does. And, and I love that phrase. And when you talk about getting, you're fighting to get back to the person I knew, there mm-hmm. was, I think of two things. One, my parents divorced in 1991 and I was imploding at that point in time because all along, I didn't know how to deal with emotions. So I stuffed them. Just like yes. you said, I, I went into a cocoon mm-hmm. and I didn't know how to ask for help. And I didn't know, because again, I was living behind the mask of, I'm good. Sue doesn't have a problem. Sue's the strong one. You can go to Sue. She's got it all under control. And instead, like I said, I was dying on the inside. My eating disorder kicked in. I was losing weight. I was not at a healthy weight. It was to the point of a couple of friends said every time I was over there, they made sure there was food out. 
mm. I was starting to drink again and alcoholism runs in my family. That's not a good thing that to, to do. Um, so all these things I was imploding in that when my parents were divorcing was the second time I considered ending my life. And I felt stuck in the middle. I felt mm. torn between the two factions and, and that is, that's gut wrenching. Yeah. And again, because I didn't know how to express myself or know what I was really feeling, I was just an absolute mess. So there were two thoughts that were keeping me alive. The first one I could have discarded if I really tried. I was rational, rational enough to know my family didn't need to go to my funeral in the middle of the divorce. Mm. But the wow. second thought that kept me alive it's what I call nagging optimism. And for me, it's my relationship with Christ. And it was that there was this nagging optimism that would not let me go. <laughs> and it was, it's going to be okay. Yeah. And here I am, long after it all. But what I learned, and this, I did, if I was just messaging this gentleman just a little bit ago, a very dear friend named Billy Sprague. He's a, he was a big Christian musician in the 80s and 90s. And we were, I worked at a sports camp in Missouri called Canacuck Sports Camp. We went on a, a ski trip over New Year's one year between 90 and 91, right, when everything was happening. I lost touch with Billy. Um, his fiance had been killed in a car wreck on the way to surprise him at a concert. And he found out right oh. before he went on stage. Oh, gosh. So, at, and, and he shares this, that he considered ending his life. And he and mm. I talked about that. Wow. So we reconnected before this trip and I looked at him and said, I need to learn something you've gone through. Can we talk? And we talked the last day, sat down in the lodge after everyone went to ski, ski and he said, what's going on? And I said, how do you go on living when all you want to do is die? Mm -hmm. That was my question. Yeah. Where I was at. Yeah. But that simple, not simple. It wasn't, it, it was a question, a simple question, power packed question, right. not an easy question. Simple and easy are two very different things. Exactly. And simply letting somebody in. Mm. It took six months for my heart to start thawing. But I was in touch with Billy. But just his comments as we talked and he shared his stories and we talked some more. His last phrase to me was, Sue, that's all I know to tell you, step by step. And he mm. had talked about how he had friends challenge him when he was in the airports to walk, to watch his feet. And, and, and when I share the story on stage, I'm sitting there walking across the stage, walk, walking my feet, watching my feet. And each step of I'm one step closer, one step closer. I can do this. I got here this far. He had me watch my feet when we're going down to the ski slopes. And Amy, my first thought was, God, it is a long journey and I am not going to make it. Mm. Here I am now, though. Look the power of letting somebody in. Oh, I have made chills. All so the good in the world, and and and, and so I good. counted a privilege to just you know I've had a chance to tell Billy this in person a number of times, and just told him again in just our little chat just now. I said I still tell the story because <laughs> it's so powerful. It's His so legacy, meaningful. It, it, you yeah. never know the power of presence, and that was the gift he gave me. There's a, there's a, a a conference organization called Grace Story Ministries, and the leader talks about. Uh, something her counselor once told her of, I will hold hope for you until you are strong enough to hold it for yourself. Mm. And I love that phrase. That's yeah. what you experienced. That's, that's what I've good. experienced. And that's what we now get to be for somebody else. Right. Exactly. And it's, you know, you talked about that optimism. I feel like that's there with, with everyone that when we are in 
when we're in the midst of adversity, it's so heavy. It's so dark. Mm-hmm. We really can't see another way out. Mm-hmm. But that optimism is there. We just bury it. We don't, we choose not to listen to it because that's what I was dealing with there for a while. Like it was there. It was trying to get my attention, mm-hmm. but I was so focused on negativity and all these other things that I couldn't do right. that, that optimistic part, it was just kind of floating there. Like I didn't mm-hmm. accept it. I didn't open myself up to it. I didn't allow it to be what it needed to be in my life. Right. And so I feel like that. I always say we always have a choice. And mm-hmm. so I feel like that's, that's the case. But a lot of times we don't see it that way because our minds are so focused in on one perspective that mm-hmm. we don't see that there is another one. I, I've, I've narrowed it down to one thing. You know, the, the best part of speaking is the individual conversations after afterwards people you know coming up to the stage in the classroom at the merch table whatever and i I love that because i get to know people's stories a little bit Mm -hmm. and i was speaking at the local high school a couple years ago at a health class sharing about eating disorders excuse me and the student came up and went to talk and said i have a friend i'm concerned about you know and 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 those things but what in, in in those conversations with people in coaching my clients and just talking with people I've narrowed it down to one thing so you hear hints of but is it too late for me you don't Mm -hmm. know what's happened to me I'm too screwed up I could in 2014 I went to that retreat calling myself the holy exception that and here the generalities everything in the bible was good enough for everyone else but me because I was too screwed up too far gone and a total waste of space Hmm. that's what I that's the lie I believed That's what I was fighting up against because that was, we were dealing with the rape. I was imploding. And honestly, I don't know if I would be here without that intervention. God, but, but what I've boiled it down to behind that hint of doubt is the question, do I believe that I matter? Mm. It's, It's not enough for someone else to believe in you. I can tell you, I believe in you. Yes, you matter. Right. But until you own it and take it as your own and say that I believe that I matter, we each have to answer that question. We have to come down to how do I answer this question? And, you know, my name, Boehner, says my step ahead. That's my company name. That's my business name. And the whole concept is based on from this conversation I had with Billy in 1991, that mm. you only have to be a step ahead to help the person behind you. Because we like to think we have to have it all figured out and have arrived before I can be useful, before I can help somebody else. How can I help somebody when I'm still screwed up myself? Right. Here's the thing. We all have life experience. I was going to say that, yes. We like to tag it meaningful life experience. Every life experience is meaningful. And with that, we can help somebody else. You don't have to have it figured out. You just have to be a step ahead. With whatever you've learned up to this point in time, I experienced this six months after mom passed. I most certainly did not have it all together. I will tell you that much right now. I was an absolute mess. Mom moved in with me in 1997. She, I was her, her caregiver the last eight years of her life. She mm-hmm. passed away October 5th, 2020. I did not have it all together. I was trying to figure out where the heck did I just land and who the heck am I now? A coworker, <coughs> excuse me, tragically lost her father to suicide and she found the body. Oh, wow. another, yeah, on Easter Sunday. So another coworker and I went over to the house the next day and there was concern expressed for me. If, is this, this is awful close for you. 
Are right. you going to be okay? Is it a little raw? And I said, I guess we're going to find out, aren't we? Got there. Yes, there were a lot of tears from me and from my, from the, the person who lost her dad. But towards the end, the tears subsided and she started asking me questions mm-hmm. of, well, we're going to the funeral home today. What do I do? What about clothes? What do we, what about the obituary? What do they do? What do I need to do? What do I need to bring? What, you know, all these things. I had just walked through it six months ago. I didn't mm-hmm. have it all figured out. Yeah. But I was a step ahead. But I you lived, had walked through it. Yeah, yeah. I had later found out she shared with somebody how helpful that was to her because mm-hmm. it took the pressure off her. So that's, I, I, I got in the car later. I'm like, I just lived my step ahead. I literally thought that, but, but, but that's, you know, that, that's what it's about. So that's, you know, the the book I I talked about was, is called this much. I know the space between I talk about this in there that I share the the concept is we all have our story, Mm -hmm. this life experience we're talking about. It's the one thing nobody can take from us. What we do with it makes the difference so yeah. when i when i walked away from that retreat with the nugget of i am valuable to god then i started writing the book now it became much longer process when i went into recovery with an eating from my eating disorder i had to take a year off i had to relearn how to eat which might sound mm. really crazy to a lot of people but when wow. emotions and, and food are enemies in the mind of an eating disordered person so i had to deal with that war and I didn't have yeah. the energy for anything else. So I took a year off. By the time the book's finally done, it took a different structure. But the first half of the book is my story in, in, in more detail. And then the second half, the space between, talks about the healing journey God took me on. This much I know is my story. It's your story. It's our stories. And then the space between is that time in between the journey from wounds to heal to whole mm. to, to being healed i love that phrase we talked about at the start about it's not going to matter if you have a few scars it'll matter if you didn't live yeah. a scar is a wound that has been healed and is now a story of hope for somebody else mm. but you can't heal that wound until you pull off the bandage if it's you know think about when you're debriding a, a burn you're scraping down through all the stuff that hurts the raw the yeah raw the stuff Right. You have to, to let it heal correctly. And yeah. until we take that courageous step of reaching out, that first step in whatever way it looks for, with me, it was asking that question to Billy. Until we invite somebody else in, we're still putting a Band-Aid over that wound and it's getting infected. And yeah. we have to tear it off and we have to say, I need help. I can't do this on my own. I'm about ready to lose my hand because I haven't dealt with it the right way. And I matter enough. I want to keep my hand. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true because, and you know, you alluded to this earlier and I'm the same way. I have a therapist. I have had a couple therapists mm-hmm. and I don't know where I would be without them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is a stigma against that in some, in some way, shape and form, but I don't care it has helped me heal and get to a place where I never would have been without them. And it's exactly what you said. It was just the fact of opening up and letting someone hear everything that was going on inside of me. And we talked about the importance of sharing our stories. And I can't, I can't express that deeply enough that 
it's such a hard thing for people because we have things that we don't want other people to know about. We've experienced things that we're ashamed of. We take that on as um, we're at fault and we push it down and push it down and try to hide it from people mm-hmm. when that's just making things worse. That's just making the snowball continue to grow. And what's going to heal it is exactly what you said. Ripping that Band-Aid off, allowing the things to come to the surface that we've experienced and being able to share that with someone, whether it's a therapist, whether it's a friend, it's someone that you trust. Mm-hmm. Not the whole world. It could be the whole world. But you know what I mean? It's just... right allowing it to uh, come up and express it to there's so much power in taking it from hiding inside Mm -hmm. to letting it come out. Right. And, and even if it's writing it out, I started by writing it out. Mm -hmm. I had to get it out of here and somewhere else. And then I started talking about it. My, my first, the first book, like I said, was, was very therapeutic. I learned a lot about myself. You learn a lot about yourself when you write a book. Um, yes. And, and, I'm in and, this. Yes. I'm in it, the same boat right now. Yes. It, it's, it's a journey. It is a journey. Um, and, and what's interesting is that not interesting. When I realized I had a voice and my voice was worthy of being heard. I had not shared my story with my family. Mm. My siblings didn't know. My parents didn't know. Actually, my mom knew. I had later told my dad. Um, but all the things that I didn't do at seven, I finally was able to do as an adult. So in the acknowledgments of my first book, I name all my, right at the start, is mom and dad and my family. Because mm-hmm. my story is part theirs with some of the things that, that we experienced. Dad was an alcoholic. We grew up in a dysfunctional home. Dad was an alcoholic. Now, before he passed last year, in, or actually 2023, 2022 now, um, he was 30 plus years sober. Relationships were restored to better than we ever imagined. Wow. You know, but, but things happen. You know, when, when you have parents who were raised in, in the depression, when dad was raised in an orphanage through middle school, through high school, you can't pass on that which you don't have. Exactly. So, we, my siblings and I are chain breakers mm, and, I love and, and, that. and there takes a lot of strength for that. Yes. So I am, I am, I'm so honored that my siblings have been nothing but supportive of mm. this entire crazy journey. They continue to tell me they believe in me. They're excited for me. I shared about being on the show. They're like, that's great. I mean, they are oh. so excited for me. Oh, I am, What a gift. What a gift. When you're talking about writing, I, when the first book came out the next year in 2019, it, it actually, yeah, in 2019, I lose track with it all. 2020, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it won an award. It was, it, was, oh. it, was, it was a month after mom passed. I'm at a retreat. I was doing an author panel for this book festival. And um, I was at the walking stick retreat. And I was absolutely mess. It had been a month since mom passed. Right. <laughs> and I found out there that the book won an award. It won second place nonfiction. I'm like, you've oh. got to be kidding me. <laughs> and, and, and for me, I'm like, okay, I guess I am onto something here. I guess I'm yeah, supposed to be doing this. Exactly. So, so that was exciting. But then they have people buying my book and doing Amazon reviews. And the whole thing. I'm like, oh. holy smokes, this tell your story thing is kind of a little yeah. bigger than I thought. But right. where that has led now with the speaking and everything is there was an opportunity earlier this year, last year 
that comes to fruition on Tuesday that you were talking about the power of story and writing it out. Mm-hmm. There, there's a book coming out called Breaking the Silence, Voices of Survivors. Yes. And it is 20 invited authors. Of, I'm honored to be one of them. 20. Oh, thank you. 20 uh-huh. people who are sharing their stories, some of these for the first time. So yes, well, when when you said about not necessarily sharing your story with the world, I kind of like this, like, well, that's that's (laughs) kind of about ready to happen for some of these people, you know? Yeah, that's Um, okay. Because there are are people from, I think, four different countries involved in this. So yeah, the stories are getting shared with the world. that um, it, I, I just meant that you don't have to go to that extreme. Yeah. You can just share it with a therapist or with yeah, a, no. a trusted but, loved one. Yeah, but I put on the nice. screen for those of you listening, you can't see this, but is the website to go uh, claim one on a pre-sale, and it's www.unsilencemyvoice.com/presale. Unsilencemyvoice.com/presale. Thank you. And, and all yeah. that is for your folks, there's no money exchange that is simply signing up so that when the book is available Tuesday, you're going to get an email. So yeah, there, there's, you know, we'll talk about later and all that stuff, but just so people know there's no money involved in that or anything. No, that's okay. Go um, right ahead. Okay. So, so, so we're on, on the, the book releases Tuesday, January 16th and just what, six days, five days. I'm starting to lose count as we count down. Um, <laughs> it's getting exciting. It's getting really exciting. I, I have seen the manuscript for the book. I, I am stunned. I am honored. I am humbled to be in the presence of these authors because oh, there are amazing. people, there's a three-time cancer survivor. And, and just so people know, there are two men and 18 women. So men have mm-hmm. survival stories too. Exactly. There's some, someone who experienced a murder in their family wow. and, and dealing with that. There's so many domestic abuse. There's so many different survival stories that every story is worthy of being heard the same way every story of every listener is worthy of being heard you don't have to write a book you don't have to be on a podcast just like amy said tell somebody right and and that's the purpose you know when you were talking before i was thinking you know on, on for my step ahead our purpose is to empower others to share their stories while they are healing because Mm -hmm. i went my organization we are all about breaking down that stigma around mental health because the more we talk about it the more it becomes an everyday conversation it doesn't matter what manner you're talking about it with yeah talk with somebody tell exactly and what you'll find is when you start to talk about it, that's when you can start to heal it. And then you start to feel better about it. And then other people, when they start to hear it are like, wait, what? I feel like that too. Or I have experienced that too. I didn't know other people felt that too. And you will find a camaraderie of people who will just gather around you and become like a little tribe of supporters, which, you know, that's exactly what's happened with me. The more I open up and share my story, that the more people are, you know, reaching out to me and telling me how it inspired them right? and that you will be able to help other people. You start by helping yourself right. and then you end up moving up to be able to help other people, which is what it's all about. Right. Isn't that what life is all about is helping right. each other. That's why we're here. So well, I find one, that so beautiful. One, um, if I ever have the chance to tell her personally, it will be a, a life. I don't want to say dream. It'll be a life honor. Simone Biles sharing her story 
gave me permission to share mine. I, I, I wrote a blog post about it, you know, just called, you know, I think it was called, I don't, I don't remember what it was called, Me Too or whatever. But it, when she shared her story and brought light on something that is, that can be secret. And that's what we're talking about is shedding light, cracking a door. Yes. That gave me permission. And I would be so honored to be able to tell her that in person someday. And mm. if God allows that, that's great. And if she hears a podcast or an interview or whatever at some point in time, great. I know she knows that she has affected so many lives. Me too. Yeah, I am exactly. one that she has affected. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. That's so beautiful. I hope she gets this message. I hope she hears that and uh, knows how powerful her story has been, yeah. you know, to not only you, but multiple, multiple people. Um, and and, and the ripple effect. Once yes. one person shares a story, Amy, as you're sharing your story, you're getting opportunities to share it more. You never know who is going to be listening to that. Right. I've had the same experience. Billy sharing his story affected me and now affects, you know, it's, it is that ripple effect. That's right. what it's all about. That it starts with telling somebody. Yeah. Somebody. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I love that so much. I want to ask you before we wrap it up here that the one question I'm going to ask every guest is what have, what has this adversity taught you? I know you have multiple adversities, but what have you learned from it or what do you feel like it has taught you? Because I, I believe that we, uh, we endure things for a reason that we're to learn something from them. They're there to teach us something. Right. And so I would love to know your perspective on that. What you feel like the adversity was what you learned from it in your life. Wow. There are personal things I've learned that I matter. That, yes. that, that, that I dared to believe that I matter and, and, yeah. and that I'm stronger than I ever thought I was. Oh, yes. But learning it for myself is only part of the story. Because when we learn things and then share them with others, that becomes the power of the lesson. So for me, what I have learned is the power of letting somebody in. Mm. When I let Billy in, I was, I'm, I'm not going to apologize. I'm no, not going you to go apologize. right ahead. Tears are healing. Oh, my That's goodness. Good. Um, when I let Billy in, the egg started to crack. Mm. When I let Amanda in. Actually, when I let Chuck and my pastor and told him my eating disorder was starting to come up and then I, he gave me a name and then I followed up on that. I took the action step and let Amanda in. And then for me, the big one, when I took the chance on love, when I took the risk on love for the retreat and I let total strangers know my story. The, one of the powerful things about this retreat so they open up a, a, a Facebook group for just the people in that retreat. The first year, we were all strangers, 50 of us. The only commonality we had was that we'd all seen this movie. And we all wanted to go on this retreat to continue the conversation about forgiveness and our life stories and, and authentic living and, you know, light subjects like that. Right. And that was the only commonality we had. I, they asked us to share our stories. I lurked in that room for about three days. And I woke up one morning, four in the morning, my heart's like, all right, it's my turn. I really don't want to do this. <sighs> I'm encouraging others like crazy, but I'm not right. sharing mine. Mm -hmm. I shared my story publicly for the first time in a Facebook group with 50 total strangers. Wow. And then to live through all of the emotion that I was dealing with at that retreat, 
It was like everybody knew what was going on. It was the scariest and the safest thing. So the power of letting somebody in, in whatever form that takes. And may I say, if there is a listener or a a viewer who doesn't know where they can share their story, I would be honored if you'd reach out to me. I would love to hold on to hope for you. Absolutely. And, 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 And I'd be honored to hear your story for the first time. I love that. I'm looking up this quote while I'm looking here. That It's so powerful. It's so powerful. And I'm the same way. If you want to share with someone, reach out to me. I'm happy to listen. I'm happy to support you and however I can. Sue is the same way. We know what it's like. We have been there and we will be here to help champion you as well. This quote I read just a few minutes ago before coming on here, and I feel like it's perfect for us to end on right now before we get on to talking about Sue and her website. Um, But this is a quote by Carl Jung. It says, beneath the wound lies the genius Hmm. by consciously entering the portal of our deepest wounding. We find our greatest gift. Oh, Oh, wow. Give me chills. I'm going to see it again. Beneath the wound lies the genius by consciously entering the portal of our deepest wounding we find our greatest gift. And I feel like that is the case. I know that's true in my life that I never ever would have chosen to fall and break my neck, to spend a year laying in a bed, to miss my kids' lives for an entire year. But what I have gained from that, from being willing to open up to that, to share it with people has become a gift. I've been able to help so many people from just what you said, letting someone in, being able to talk about it and share it with other people. And it has become a gift. And I want to share that gift with others. I want others, I want to help empower others to embrace that gift for themselves too. And so that's one of the purposes of this podcast is to help others do that. And I'm so, so thankful, Sue, that you have been able to do that and that you're helping others do that too. And that we can work together to help make this mission mission, mission possible for others. So thank you. Thank you so much for being here. If you wouldn't mind to talk just a second about what it is you do. I'll put your website up here so that people can get in contact with you if they would like to work with you. Sure. That'd be great. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, thank you for having me on. This has been wonderful. Absolutely. I, as Amy said at the start, I, I'm a life coach. And what that means is that I walk with people who are trying to better their life. Specifically, I work with people who have disqualified themselves based on life experiences that, that like I said before, they think they're too screwed up, too far gone. Maybe it's too late for them to chase a dream, or maybe they've put their life on hold because they were raising a family and now their kids are grown. They're like, now what do I do? Who am I? Am I still able to go chase that dream I had when I was 20 years old before I got married? I work with those people because it's never too late to see your dream become reality. Exactly. And, 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 you know, and and that might be, there, there are other things, you know, there's so many th- things that I help people with, relationships, boundaries, there's all kinds of different things. But the joy is helping them take their next step and watching them start to realize and gain momentum and realize that I can still go on. This, what's this, this mission that I had at one point in time is done and now I can go on and do something else. And to see them gain that momentum, see the smile start coming back on their face, that my life isn't over, that I don't have to just bide time, 
then I can still live. So that's what yeah. I do as a life coach. Um, it, it, it's an honor to work with people. It is, you know, yes, there's the writing with the anthologies and my own books, um, you know, and, and there's a lot of speaking that I do. Um, but yeah, my joy is, is, is helping other people discover that they can keep moving and keep doing what they, what they want to do that just because life has dealt them a couple of rough curves, they're not disqualified. They can keep going. Oh, I love that so much because it's so true. Like I'm 52 and I feel like I'm just now getting started. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I just now am figuring out, okay, this is my purpose. Like This mm -hmm. is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so it's never too late. Right. It's never too late. Right. Um, if you, your Sue's website is, which I know uh, those of you watching can see this, but those of you listening, I need to tell you it's www.suebowles.com. That's S U E. B-O-W-L-E-S.com. I will put all these links in the show notes on the uh, app, the podcast apps so that you can access those there, but you can check out her website. And then if you're interested in grabbing that book of the anthologies, I will put that link in the show notes as well so that you can grab that there. Um, so yes, that's how you can find Sue and get in contact with her and find her on the socials and, um, and and also, if I can say on the website, you know, they'll find a link to, to my first book. They'll also find you know, the pre-sale link to the new one. Um, but then also I have a free gift I give out. If people are, are, go to their website, I have something called the first four, first four steps of healing. It, it's based on the, on the things in my book, but it expands it so that sometimes people aren't ready to reach out just yet, but they want to still do something. They're feeling that urge. I got, I got to do something because I can't stay where I am, but I'm not yeah. ready to invite somebody else in this. It, 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 it's, it's a PDF file. Um, it's got some different, different, the first, you know, first steps to healing that are pretty much the same, regardless of what you're dealing with. And, and I've alluded to some of the steps we've talked about, but it goes in more detail and it has some self-reflective questions. So you can kind of help walk yourself through. So you can go to my website, just, you know, you'll see the link there, click on that. That'll come to your email right away. I would love to get that to you. Oh, great. I'm going to check that out for myself. It sounds amazing. I also want to do a little plug for myself too. Um, on my website, I have a couple freebies for you as well. If you would like to check those out. My website is www.getamyshelp.com. That's G-E-T-A-M-Y-S-H-E-L-P.com slash free. You will find a PDF there on 10 ways to show yourself self-love. I'm going to go then, get that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 10 things I do to help me make it through. Um, and then I also have an emotion frequency chart that I created that I use with my clients. Um, and it helps us. I have taken 100 different emotions and put them into 10 different categories based on their emotional, based, based on their vibrational frequency. And so to help us move up the, the chart in frequency to um, the, the higher frequencies, obviously, you have uh, are your motivation, your perspective, your view of life is much different than if you're lower on the chart. And so it's really interesting to see where you fall. Like, what am I feeling right now? Find it on the chart and see where you fall and then help yourself move up the chart, which is a completely different show, but that's there for you to check that out if you're interested in that. So if you want to connect with me, my website, all of my social links are there. I would love to hear from you. Um, again, I would love if you would share this, if you think others will find it helpful. And if you would give us a five-star rating on the apps, 
on the podcasting apps that will help us reach more people. So thank you. Thank you again for watching and for listening and for being here and just for helping me promote this and share our stories of hope and resilience, because that's what this is about being able to not only share stories of adversity, things that we have gone through, but finding hope in the midst of that, I feel like can change the world. And so that's what, that's what my mission is to help others find hope in the midst of adversity. So thank you again for being here, Sue. It has been such a pleasure to chat with you and excuse me until next time. I will see you later. You all go polish that mirror and see what message your soul has for you today. Bye.